guys. It's another day in paradise. Welcome to Andy's Girls. It's um, Friday afternoon. I'm feeling great. I honestly almost cried of exhaustion. And for the second time since I have started using Jill Zarin rugs, my absolute favorite rug, I truly did consider laying on top of it in despair, just as an act to myself. Hashtag we see each other just to lay down on the rug. I did do that several months ago for reasons maybe we'll get to another time. But in the meantime, my goodness, I have been overwhelmed and exhausted, emotionally exhausted. Allah, God forbid, may her memory be either a blessing or a curse. Leon Locken, my panty liner is tired. What is it? It's like my weave inside my panty liner, whatever the fucking quote is. I can't. I'm I'm in I'm at Bethany HQ, okay? I can't extract myself from this place. And it's it's so hard. This is my get out. Like <laughs> I know. I am in the sunken place. Bethany likes to talk about how reality TV is in the upside down, but as a content creator, trying to understand and make some sort of meaning from some meaningful but also meaningless content that Bethany has given us is truly the sunken place. It is not the upside down. I think Bethany sometimes lives in the upside down or she lives in the upside and she's criticizing the down, which is where everyone else resides. Never Rachel, though, but <laughs> seemingly everyone else. Um, so I wanted to sleep at whatever time, woke up at whatever time, and I had a previously scheduled recording today of Aging Classic, that other podcast <laughs> that I also um, host, and thought to myself, you just got to do it. Just listen to part three. Just gird your loins. Be a part of the process. Just allow yourself... <laughs> to be sucked in. So I listened to part three. It took my little notes, little note taker these days. Um, And then I watched um, And Just Like That. And I thought to myself, wow, this show is still bad, but I miss it. I miss talking about that. I miss recording, taking it personally. I miss talking about other things. I miss talking about Housewives, but here we are. And the reality is I felt like we're we're almost at the finish line, which is adorable of me because Bethany will still be dropping video content and then a la Jill Zarin, the Jill Zarin experience with that podcast series, there will be, I'm sure, oodles and oodles of bonus footage, um, including the fact that Bethany apparently traveled for this, which she says emphatically she would never do, has never done. So maybe we'll get a tour of Arizona. I mean, I don't know if this series was sponsored by Arizona's tourism board, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Because there are sponsorship opportunities available for this conversation. So I listened to it. I took a little breather. I didn't go to Starbucks and I got an oat milk mocha frappuccino, which felt like a cry for help. And honestly, I had a couple sips and I am raring to go. That refined sugar, my goodness, it does its job, which is get me a little hyped up. And I spent um, a lot of time today researching Hippolas because Bethany didn't. Um, so I felt like someone should. 
Uh, and here we are. Here we are in this magical journey. So let's dive in. Um, I recorded AG Classic earlier and had a little bit of a meltdown and thought about that meltdown after and kind of took a moment to appreciate it because it is the thing that I left this cycle, a reunion cycle. This was a reunion cycle thinking. And it's being presented to us as a PSA. And yet the strategic imperative here in a three-day drop I thought was particularly interesting. I mean, you know, Bethany talks about how uh, Bravo is essentially the devil and God bless you for that. But there was a a feeling, you know, when you have like a, when you're watching a terrible season of Housewives and then you find out it's a three-part reunion, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? There's no way to make that happen. There isn't enough content in the world to pretend that it's drama. I think Bethany was inspired by some of that um, programmatic strategy because she recorded or edited or somebody did something, something was turned on and off for two hours. So you would think it would be part one, an hour, part two, an hour. And we had two for part two and part three, two 30-ish minute drops with like, I don't know, bad with math, Um, maybe 20, 25% of that being ads. Again, more power to you, but this is being presented to us as a public service announcement. This is Bethany's PSA. She is doing this for a reason. She feels that this is a woman's voice needs to be heard. Um, That voice, I assume, meaning her own, but also Rachel's there, which is the reason that this show is number one. So it's important that she talks about this, that we understand, but she drops it in such a a way and and has presented it with all of these commercial breaks that it's actually a piece of entertainment. There would be a way to present this that felt consistent with the idea of this being a part of a plan to unionize, but it's not. It's a part of Bethany's business and media strategy around how to potentially protect people with ads and drops that try to strengthen this as a piece of entertainment. So then we are, as content creators, members of the audience, fans, you know, casual passerby, God help us, we are expected to treat this as something that Bethany is not. And that is the thing that is pissing me the fuck off. And I feel like if this is intended to be something that keeps people safe, that holds people accountable, she should be spending so much fucking time on Tom. Tom, who we are told took a video of Rachel in an intimate moment, kept it, confirmed that he did that on camera apparently had that edited out either to protect Tom or I think more realistically to protect the network by not having him acknowledge the fact that he did this thing on camera, which is now being presented by Rachel and Bethany as part of some sort of like master plan that somehow back in time it was decided by Tom or whomever else that this was an idea to start sleeping with someone who isn't my girlfriend so that I can hide it for several months and then have a phone fall out of my pocket and then picked up and then see this video and then have it come to light so that I can make a lot of money next season and maybe in a position of power that 
Rachel is the one whose autonomy is taken away, but everybody else is responsible for themselves and for what they do to her as a result. Why is more time not spent on that? Like Bethany goes from hearing that information about Sandoval to like, wow, how did your parents feel about that? Who gives a shit about Rachel's parents? Apologies to Rachel's parents, who I'm sure are wonderful people, although we have also heard differently from other members of the cast who have allegedly, was Sheena or Lala, have heard Rachel's dad talking about like the things she could do on camera, including being engaged, but never actually getting married to James, because that would help her on the show. That would help her become a star. These these are, for lack of a better term, pageant parents. So I am sure that they want to protect their child. I am sure they want to defend her. I am sure that they've received a ton of terrible, vile hate and threats no one should ever have to deal with, let alone troubleshoot. But also, I don't necessarily care for the purposes of this podcast how they feel about something that happened to Rachel, especially when the conversation spends more time focused on what the fuck happened to Rachel's dog than the dog who's still in the cast. Like, explain to me why we are supposed to care about the toxic environment that absolutely exists within the context of reality TV and also Bravo. Bravo isn't the first place to create reality TV that, you know, didn't end up helping anyone and may have actively hurt people as a result. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter to discuss that. But you have an absolute horrifying series of behavior from someone who you're sort of talking around in the construct of like gender politics, she got shit on more than he did. Why aren't we spending more time on that? Like the focus on putting the responsibility of all of this, all of this bad behavior on the network and doing that while isolating only the network and only Andy Cohen, who it's like drinking game, have a sip of a Scandoval seltzer spritz every time you hear Bethany name Andy in a way that is intended to keep him as the symbol and framework of network executives, which I think is disingenuous at best. Andy has elements of his behavior he absolutely should be held responsible for, as should any number of talent, which is what he is. He's a producer. He carries his like producer title um, on Housewives shows. He's not a producer on Vanderpump Rules. He's not named in the he's named in the ways that one would expect Alex Baskin, the the executive producer of Vanderpump Rules or other people or co-executive producer of Vanderpump Rules and other people to be named. He is constantly used by Bethany as the face of badness. He is dragged through the course of this. And again, it's like this man can be criticized. I have criticized him over a number of episodes because People fuck up, make mistakes, and do things that I disagree with. But I do that in a way that's like actively isolating him as Andy Cohen, the guy who said a thing or did a thing at a reunion that I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then we move on. Bethany is choosing to continuously bring him up because she knows that the audience believes that Andy is still an executive at the network. 
He is not. He was. He still has an enormous amount of power and sway. He's the host and face of Watch What Happens, BravoCon, um, all of seemingly the reunions in the entirety of the world. He has a lot of power and sway, but he is not the person in the C-suite at NBC Universal who Bethany should be referencing if she really wants to make change. She's not doing that because Andy can get people's attention, including his own, including the network, which is going to have a vested interest in protecting him. But she's not challenging the people in power. Is that because she doesn't know who they are? Or is that because she doesn't care? Or is that because from the perspective of this being a media narrative and media campaign, Andy is better for business Dragging him is better for business than getting to the people at the top. That tells me an awful lot about Bethany's intentions. She's very smart, very successful. We don't need her to tell us that. We know it, but she'll remind us now and again. She knows what she's doing, and what she's doing is not structuring an organization based on data and information. She's collecting stories for a media campaign. Now SAG-AFTRA might be involved. Now she has a, a lawyer who added a lawyer, legal letters. Now they're collecting information. There may be a lawsuit, which she repeatedly says she's not involved with. And she's right. She's not. That wasn't her intention. Her intention was to say, I am a survivor of this thing that was bad, and I know it all. But the problem is she's leading a conversation with Rachel that is consistently driven by her interest in telling a particular story. And if you're in the world of organizing, if you're in the world of trying to protect and defend people, I would be more interested in figuring out the law behind this. I would be interested in actively partnering and trying to assist with any kind of like legal situation or union organizing that might take place. And while I'm sure Bethany is also having conversations, it feels like her focus is telling a specific story that involves her at the top. There's going to be a concerted push to have media narratives, long form stories and everything else. And the centerpiece of this is Bethany's fight. It doesn't mean that that fight can't also do good, but it does give us a little bit of a window into what she values the most and how that story should be told. And a lot of people are sharing um, clips of what Carol said to her, said about her at their last reunion together, that she's a narcissist. She's not interested and essentially incapable of um, understanding any kind of uh, dissent to her opinion. It's all about control. It's all about putting her in the forefront. I'm not going to diagnose her in any way. Um, I know enough to know that I'm not qualified <laughs> to give that assessment. But there are aspects of this that just kind of like ring some bells of like, this is Bethany's story being told. And that is what is most important. And it's difficult when she's not interested in expanding moments and having conversations about specific people who are doing terrible things. It's like, are you actually listening to Rachel when she's talking about Tom? You're brushing this over. It doesn't feel like you're doing that because it benefits her mental health. Otherwise, you wouldn't have monologued listing all of the terrible things that were said about her at the reunion. 
you're talking about the world and universe of Bravo TV and reality TV like it's brand new. She talks about the fact that the audience isn't aware of what's actually happening, that they're not treating cast members like human people while she continues not to treat cast members like human people because that doesn't support her narrative. It's the reading of the words and the crying and being upset because it's about Bethany's emotions and her reaction. And Rachel is also there. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with someone who's talking about the importance of unionizing, protecting, organizing participants in reality TV when there doesn't seem to be a standard in place that includes the importance of language in the information that you are sharing. I was horrified by the sort of sidebar into like the HIPAA regulations of it all. There's information here that I feel like would have been helpful at any point. I wonder how information is presented that does not include any kind of disclaimer. It does not help when Bethany is either agreeing with or presenting accusations about HIPAA regulations not being followed by entities who are not responsible for following HIPAA regulations and that being included in the episode. How am I, a viewer at home, where you are attempting to, like, I would assume, rally in support of what it is you are trying to do if you don't have a basic understanding of what the HIPAA regulations are. How are you supposed to be, as the face of this entire social cause, how are you not aware of this? And if you are not, why wouldn't you want to counter and correct that information before you post these episodes? The expectation of viewers to understand and empathize and not fact check in any way because you are not is just like spreading ignorance in a certain way. It's spreading a narrative that could be countered and corrected. And yet you believe that you are responsible. You should be in a position where other reality TV participants are sharing their experiences to you. How is Bethany being responsible with that information, including clarifying things? Feels like it's enough for someone to say, and this thing was broken. Bethany says, oh my God, yeah, it was. And I heard that employers aren't supposed to say this and this, and then they move on. Why wouldn't you want to counter and share the update there of the reasons that that statement was inaccurate. Wouldn't that be important if you're talking about unionizing? You're talking about contracts? If you don't have a basic understanding of HIPAA, not only that, but if you're okay releasing and publishing an episode that includes inaccurate information about HIPAA regulations, why isn't that important to you to correct? Why are we expected to believe this is the person to lead this cause when she's also telling us that she doesn't necessarily have the capacity to do so. And as of right now, is not partnering with people who can help, maybe because they would have to share the title of being the change makers with her. I don't really know. It's like this whole strategic unawareness about not only the information being presented, but what happened on the show and Rachel's own behavior. It's focused on the responses and her feelings, her feelings alone, to make everyone else look worse. But it's not about inciting behavior and inaccurate information being presented. It's inc- it's an incredibly um, selective view, which doesn't mean 
that Rachel's experience shouldn't be talked about, but it's not really being talked about. It's the like, what happened after and not everything else that led to that point. And that is difficult to hear from someone who put out three episodes, three drops, saying, I'm the person who should be leading this charge. I know it all, but I'm not informed. I'm not either able or willing to speak from my experiences as a housewife who also shat on people, as a producer who also presented contracts that one might deem unethical or immoral, which is a total opinion by other people who have had dealings with Bethany. I mean, she's not talking about, and from the perspective of being an organizer who has done due diligence, she's not even really a collector because she's not watching these episodes. She's not talking to potentially other cast members or even presenting a nuanced take. She's just saying, this is how I feel. Do you agree? Give me more specifics and then we'll move on. I mean, I can only look at this as entertainment at a certain point, like the positioning of this episode. I think it is a challenging conversation that raises significant questions. But at its core, this is not a union organizer speaking. This is someone leading a media campaign, which doesn't mean that positive change can't come as a result of it. But it does mean like, know thyself. Keep in mind, this is Bethany Frankel, who's done a lot of good. She's raised millions and millions and millions of dollars for people in disaster relief, for those in crisis. She has done good work, but this kind of work is leaving me feeling a little conflicted about where we're going to go from here based on her own behavior over the course of these episodes. Oh, my goodness, you guys. So let's get to the episode itself. This is going to be another 900-hour app, isn't it? Thank God for that Frappuccino. Okay, we start with Bethany's questions, wondering about a pill bottle that's possibly thrown at the reunion, but why are we discussing medications and it's at a workplace? She says to Rachel, you know, Andy insinuated, I think, to Variety that you were on prescription drugs. How did that make you feel? Rachel said um, she was on antidepressants. She believes she had actually started taking them um, around the same time she began filming Vanderpump Rules, but she felt it wasn't okay to insinuate that she was taking any kind of medication based on seemingly erratic behavior. She believes that Andy violated a HIPAA law. She says it's damaging. Bethany says she knows an employer can't say someone is medicated. She says, I know that, whether it's true or not, or speculation. Bethany asks, what's the line? And says that from the perspective of someone who is, quote, the shining golden child, which is how she views herself, and maybe how she believes the network views her as well. So we're talking HIPAA. What the fuck is HIPAA? HIPAA is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, which was intended to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of the healthcare system here in these godforsaken... (laughs) United States. (laughs) Um, The rule requires, per HHS, requires appropriate safeguards to protect the privacy of protected information and sets limits and conditions on the uses and disclosures that may be made of such information without an individual's authorization. Uh, Per 
the HHS as well, um, who must follow these laws? We call the entities that must follow the HIPAA, HIPAA regulations, quote, covered entities, unquote. Covered entities include health plans, most health care providers and health care clearinghouses. Health plans include health insurance companies, HMOs, company health plans, and certain government programs that pay for health care, such as Medicare and Medicaid. Most health care providers uh, conduct certain business, including those who conduct certain business electronically, such as electronically billing your health insurance, including most doctors, clinics, hospitals, psychologists, chiropractors, chiropractors, nursing homes, pharmacies, and dentists. Healthcare clearinghouses are entities that process non-standard health information they receive from another entity into a standard, i.e. standard electronic format or data content, or vice versa. There are also contractors, subcontractors, outside persons or companies who are not employees of a covered entity who may need to have access to your health insurance, health information rather, but probably also insurance, when providing services to the covered entity. Those are called business associates, which include companies that help your doctors get paid for providing health care, billing companies, claims processing, LOL, shout out Blue Cross Blue Shields, companies who help administer health plans, people like outside lawyers, accountants and IT specialists, and companies that store or destroy medical records. Who is not required to follow these laws? Many organizations that have health information about you do not have to follow these laws. Examples of organizations that do not have to follow the privacy and security rules include life insurers, employers, workers' compensation carriers, most school and most schools and school districts, many state agencies like child service agencies, law enforcement agencies, municipal offices, and then it gets into information that's protected. And I just have a grande, not a venti. So my Frappuccino energy just can't go any further along this path. But it's also important to remember that Bethany is identifying Andy Cohen as Rachel's employer. Now, do we believe that Andy Cohen is quite literally Rachel's employer, or is he the host of these reunions? Why aren't we talking about NBC Universal in any of this? We are constantly going after the face of the network because we know that that's going to garner a bigger response. And here's the thing that I'm going to say that's maybe somewhat shitty, but listen, it's been a long fucking week, is that I never understood Bethany's perspective about feeling that she had been ambushed when she went on Watch What Happens Live with Jeff Lewis and Andy. I never got it. I am a longtime chump, which if you know, you know, following Jeff Lewis, he knows what the fuck he's doing. He knows how to like wink and drag and everything else. Did I feel like that was an ambush because Bethany was talking shit about housewives? No. I mean, you can't play smart and stupid at the same time. I think that's one of her quotes. For her to say things, for media attention to make a point and then not expect when she's going on Watch What Happens Live that Andy might have questions for her about those statements is not an ambush. That's a counter or a reaction. She knows enough to know when you're going on a talk show called Watch What Happens Live, there's going to be some stuff that happens. Bethany knows that because she does it as well. 
for her to pretend that she is the victim for guesting on Watch What Happens Live has been a narrative she has carried over until as recently as this week in her preamble to the Rachel episodes when she put up her reality reckoning episode of what the fuck, be strong, be specific, be Bethany, be whatever. She continues to say that she was ambushed because that helps her narrative fight, that she's being punished for doing, she is the Joan of Snark. That is her role. She is being punished as a result, but she will she will deal with the consequences. She says that over and over and over again, referencing how many millions of dollars the network would have paid her to continue doing Housewives, but she won't do it because she wants to do good instead. I commend her for that. I think it's helpful to have someone in her position, few people are, who genuinely financially do not need the amount of money she might make for returning to housewives that she assuredly would make in order to potentially do some good. But she's also getting currency from this. That currency is attention. That currency is public relations increases. That currency is allowing her to drive a train that she is saying she created herself. Like, fuck. And yet also saying she is the victim. She's faced consequences. She's not afraid of the fact that she's persona non grata because of her actions and her behaviors. She's wanting to be congratulated and celebrated for making a stand. But she doesn't really want to talk about it. Not if anybody has any kind of like insight critique or maybe doesn't work for a specific narrative that she's trying to set. She wants to make sure that we know that she's you know, being grounded in a way by the powers that be, including most specifically Andy, because I think she's obviously really fucking pissed about looking embarrassed at Watch What Happens Live, which is one of many reasons why Andy comes up repeatedly by Bethany. She slips him in over the course of all three episodes, but most certainly over the course of the third part. Like he's constantly being slipped in. It feels like she wants to make sure he knows what being embarrassed looks like. And she's doing a good job. People are going to believe her that he is quite literally Rachel's employer who's possibly breaking regulations and laws. Like there's the possibility you said something. It was flippant. It was rude. He actually apologized after the fact. It's not the first time. He's talked about someone who might um, be on medication that might change their behavior at the reunion. He said that about Vicky, who I think talked about having something to help just kind of like calm her nerves. I'm not breaking HIPAA regulations in talking about that. I'm not breaking HIPAA regulations in talking about my suspicions of what someone may or may not be doing. I am not Rachel's doctor or any other role that I just listed, neither is Andy. And if Bethany doesn't know that, she should be mentioning it all. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I 
really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat. There was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible, memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a Top Chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make 
eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's important to me. And it might feel granular and stupid, but it's actually really important because this is someone who's expecting everyone else to feel that she is the only person who can get this stuff done because that's her brand. She is the person who can come in in a crisis and make things happen. She has transferred a lot of her incredible, incredible work as a fundraiser, nonprofit, doing action. But this isn't apples to apples here. And that's key. I would think that that's key. The lead up and strategy around how she handled this interview is perfect for her because it's about her feeling that reality TV is bad. That is the most important thing. It hadn't been this bad before, per Bethany. But it is now. She says, viewers don't know what the line is because it's moved. It's the norm. Everyone's a character and people don't understand that others in the cast are people. She believes that this is a line that seemingly has maybe been moved and moved and moved and that viewers don't understand now the ways that they are treating cast members as objects and as people who potentially deserve empathy and support. Her empathy and support only extends to Rachel in the context of this episode series. It doesn't extend to anyone else. And it's extending empathy and grace to Rachel without an understanding of her behavior in the affair and over the course of the episodes because Bethany didn't want to inform herself. She watched enough to get her job done and she wasn't wrong. She was really effective in getting done what she wanted, which was three episodes showing her support for Rachel. It was about supporting Rachel and encouraging her to share very specific answers to questions that support her narrative about why Bravo is essentially wrong. She talks about when Andy said after in a press interview that, you know, his surprise that um, Rachel was able to kind of take it all on the chin. He didn't know how long she would last on set, would would think she would have left and walked out. And Rachel's response was like, LOL, I did. I, I walked off the reunion. He summoned me back. Bethany wants to continue and have a conversation about how hypocritical it is that Be- that Andy sounded worried about Rachel's mental health, but it's such a toxic cycle of like, I'm concerned about this person. Uh, I can't believe they lasted as long as they did at the reunion, not taking into account or refusing to acknowledge or not acknowledging, let alone if there's a refusal, that they did actually, that Rachel did try to leave and she was called back to the stage. Rachel says she was promised to have a mental health advocate in the trailer during the course of the reunion and then behind the scenes when she was going to be on stage, which she says she believes was taken away the day before, possibly as a punishment, because a member of the paparazzi found her waiting to get her nails done. She answered some questions that were pretty basic, didn't give any kind of like tea or anything else, and that the network was mad and behaved in a punitive measure by 
taking the possibility for her having a mental health advocate with her at the reunion for support. Now, we're being led to believe that Rachel was at a nail salon, was surprised to see a single member of the paparazzi who had basic questions for her that she was okay to answer. It's amazing how um, specific selected members of paparazzi tabloids would be able to know exactly which questions would be okay to ask in a certain kind of manner while she was innocently outside. I think she says during the episode that she was like getting her nails and maybe they were there. So she took a chair outside. One of the big critiques that happened after this video came out was um, that she was kind of sitting in a chair when they came up to her and that chair doesn't exist. The nail salon because <laughs> any number of Bravoholics were everywhere. <laughs> Talked about the fact that that nail salon, there's like no chair there. So we're being led to believe she didn't arrange this paparazzi interview. I don't believe that. I have a lot of empathy and a lot of support for Rachel. I don't believe it. In the same way, I don't believe that Tom Sandoval, that these specific paparazzi folks happen to stumble upon him pretending to put a bag in a trunk when he's like, oot in a boot. <laughs> anyway, it's saying out and about in my head just now. Well, he's out and about in LA, at LAX, whatever else. In the same way, I don't believe that someone just wandered over to Schwartz <laughs> There was no awareness. I do think that there are members of the cast who whose value obviously has risen astronomically. But I do also believe that some of these instances were more mutual than not. Sorry. And the nail salon was a part of that. Also, there are paparazzi pictures out today that Page Six published of Rachel sunning herself that don't look like they were done with the, you know, long lens. Okay, this isn't Meghan Markle and Harry. This isn't Oprah Winfrey. This isn't Angelina Jolie. It's not like there are people who are miles in my this isn't may her memory be a blessing. Princess Diana. These aren't people who are like positioning themselves miles and miles and miles away in which to get a photo. I don't. (laughs) I mean, y'all like, okay. There would be a little bit of a counter, I think, if someone else asks this. It's not the most important part of the interview, but it is little moments where I'm like, I I just, I I just, you're asking me to go on more of a willing of trust about a person's innocence when it comes to something as to me, insignificant as paparazzi, which is why I would think if the network was pissed, they were pissed because they knew it was arranged which is just my two shekels of what I believe. It really, truly, at the end of the day, doesn't matter. What matters is that she feels that as a result of that interview, a mental health advocate, which was promised, was taken away. She says, also, P.S., speaking of HIPAA, a peer in treatment recognized me when I came in but didn't know about the scandal. Scandal. Actually, yeah, scandal. I filled her in, and the day she left, news broke that Rachel was at the facility facility that she was at, and then castmates and insiders said she was, in fact, at a spa. Her team asked someone to counter the lies, and that was refused because it was more salacious. Just to clarify, that peer who is not Rachel's doctor did not violate HIPAA. 
I'm sure Rachel felt violated, but that is not the same thing as someone being required to follow a specific set of laws. I'm sure it feels terrible to feel like you could potentially trust someone and have them share that information with others, including news outlets. That's not a HIPAA violation. She says, no one from Bravo reached out post-reunion. There was no check-in. Rachel asked for her, she calls it tuition and peers. I, I assume that's like the language used. She says that this place is called the Meadows. I'm assuming that's the language used, that it's peers and tuition as a but also treatments being used, but um, that's just the language that she um, chose to say, that there was no check-in. She asked for her tuition to be covered, and the network said no. And she thinks it's because that would be an admission of culpability, which they wouldn't want to participate in if they were concerned about a possible lawsuit. And Bethany agreed. Now, that was an interesting moment because... There has been a response from folks online of like, of course they wouldn't agree to pay for her treatment. It was as the result of her choices and her behavior, um, she has to be responsible for that cost. I do disagree with that a little, if I'm remembering correctly. I think Kim Richards' treatment when she went to um, get treatment for alcohol abuse uh, after... Um, the first season of Beverly Hills, I think Bravo paid for that. I think there was also possibly some sort of help with Luann, although I can't be sure. I don't think, honestly, it's out of the question to ask the network potentially to support the costs of some of this. I, I That's my personal opinion. I don't think that's like out of this world wild to think could happen. Um, but I do understand why they would say no. And I do agree that it could be about a position or or rather an admission of culpability potentially. And I don't know if Rachel is going to be a part of any kind of lawsuit. It seems pretty likely that that might happen. Um, I don't believe that that actual question is asked. Maybe that's because Bethany knows the answer. Okay, question for Rachel. Has Bravo been acting differently because of worry about a possible lawsuit or worry that um, Rachel was collaborating with Bethany? And she says, well, just a few days ago, someone from the network reached out to offer security at Rachel's house in Arizona. She was like, it's a little too late. Death threats were months ago, which you were aware of. But after that legal letter went out to Bravo with a whole lot of information and specifics about the reasons that they have gone too far, they began offering their services, which seemed very fishy. It is wild. <laughs> they reached out to be like, LOL, it's been a minute. <laughs> we would love to send some security to your house. Might they have recording devices on their phone? TVD, TVD. Um, yeah, that's, that's wild. I mean, the fact that they didn't offer security in the moment when she was receiving death threats, I don't know. That's maybe a conversation to be had. But the fact that it's being offered now after the letter went out was like, that's a moment where I'm like, all right, shot fired a little bit there for Rachel. That's a solid point um, to me. Uh, okay, so then we get into a conversation about public messaging and monetization around the scandal and around um, specifically Rachel's behavior. 
there was a conversation about the fact that it was the most disturbing thing to Rachel was that Lala was monetizing, send it to Daryl, um, language on her hoodies and other merch, um, which she uh, used to pay for a down payment on a vacation house. At this point, Rachel's like, LOL, she bought it under the rug when Brock wanted it. It's this house that's next door to Sheena's vacation house. And Bethany says, you know, everyone else is monetizing and you are essentially broke with no business opportunities. And Rachel is saying, you know, her reputation is shot. The send it to Daryl of it all, it's like at a certain point, that's based on the fact that Rachel's lawyer, there was an awareness that Lala had representation and there was a choice made to send her a cease and desist and not send it to her lawyer, which is no bueno. The fact that she monetized a viral Instagram story and that being used as some sort of example of other people being able to make money off of Rachel fucking Ariana's boyfriend and that she wasn't able to as well. I don't know what to say about that. Her reputation is shot. Yes. Nod's head. Your reputation isn't great. This was your good friend or friend or acquaintance who you just so happened to say a lot of stuff about when it comes to your trust in her, value in her friendship at any time you were asked or offering that information. But now you guys are, you know, just following each other on LinkedIn and your reputation is bad. Who's responsible for that? I mean, is there any responsibility that Rachel should carry for the fact that people aren't necessarily going to want to buy her merch? Is it possible someone is going to make a lot of money on this? Yes. Is, is it possible that's overwhelmingly going to be the network? A hundred percent. Are other cast members going to have opportunities become available because of and create their own because of the fact that this became like fucking international news, ticker on CNN, features in the New York Times, everywhere else? Yeah, that's going to happen. And is it unfortunate that everyone else, including Sandoval, seems to be making money and you are not? I mean, that sucks. Next time, do something else. Like, next time, don't be the one having the affair. It's it's unfortunate that Sandoval, from the perspective of absolute misogyny and the fact that he's been on this show for a decade is probably going to be able to survive the scandal or is going to become an even bigger piece of shit villain and he's going to be able to make money and stay on the show because if there was ever a landscape where someone can be someone that we can critique and drag it's going to be someone on Vanderpump Rules that makes money. Rachel would have made a lot of money had she stayed on the show. So the fact that she's not making money, which would come after the fact, it would have happened had she stayed on the show. Do I think she should have? Absolutely not. But she's not going to make a check when she's no longer on this show. She will create a different life for herself, which they discuss. Is it unfortunate that she is saying that she is broke and seems to be the only one in that position? Like, when the fact that I I cannot stop thinking about the fact that he admitted on camera that he took a video of her without her consent and that this man is just parading around filming again and seems to be getting away with it that is so disgusting to me i can't even 
tell you. It's maddening. He is a terrible, terrible person whose version of reality presented to Rachel, she seems to still believe is somewhat fact. And that's disconcerting, but that's on her. That's her responsibility to work through. If she wants to, she might also disagree. She has every right. It does drive me up a wall (laughs) to think about the stuff that he did talking about Ariana allegedly wanting to unalive herself, knowing that that was a lie, that that was the reason he continued to fuck her good friend because he was being a supportive partner, wanting to make sure that she was stable and secure. So that's why he fucked someone else in her bed while she was mourning her grandma. That's why he fucked someone else, I think the day her dog died or around that weekend, that time because he was a good guy and he is going to get the opportunity to lie and manipulate and do whatever else. And the fact that, again, it's caught on camera and there were no repercussions or awareness of that moment happening is shitty. That's terrible. It feels gross. And I'm spending more time on that with you guys, probably three times as much time, maybe 10, than Bethany did over the course of her 900 parts of this conversation. Rachel says that her parents got more hate than she did, um, allowing for the fact that some of that is because uh, she had put security protocols around her social media, limiting access that people had to attack her online, and that at one point the FBI was involved. And frankly, as they should be. No one should receive death threats. People sending like death threats and vile shit to her parents, I, I don't I don't really give a shit about their feelings about the um, video being taken without Rachel's consent when it's coming at the cost of understanding Rachel's own feelings about that. It feels like it's Bethany continuing to position her as a young girl, which this woman is in her late 20s. She is an adult. She's seeking mental health treatment. She's working on challenges that she feels that she has faced and is trying to work through that. But like the consistent bringing up or the idea that her parents are more a part of this, that they have ownership in a way feels a little too much like this whole narrative around Rachel being a juvenile, which I I don't love. Um, But her parents involving the FBI as well, they should absolutely. No one, no one should ever receive any kind of threat over anything. Certainly not about engaging in a fair. You should never. I don't care what someone has done on TV that we have seen in edited episodes or in real life. You should not be sending death threats to anyone. You should not threaten them in real life. You should not be sending death threats online. That is illegal. It is immoral. It's unacceptable. And it's like vile. It really is. And so FBI being involved, absolutely, they should have been. Rachel says the Meadows, which is where she sought treatment, taught her a lot about shame and that she feels that without that support or understanding education, she wouldn't have been able to survive. The cast was doing their job. Meanwhile, over the course of that trip to Vegas, Rachel said she was drinking a lot. She said that at one point, Lala and Christina told her privately she killed it. She was doing amazing. And then on camera, dragged her to hell. And then there's the conversation about Graham. What the fuck happened with that dog? 
Rachel says that Graham had a history of aggression. She considered fostering him during treatment because he bit her mom's hand to the bone. It was so bad she couldn't get stitches, and she had to decide whether to leave treatment and get him support or get him rehomed. So they researched a breed-specific rescue, I believe in California, and that rescue took him in. According to Rachel, he couldn't get rehomed. The people at the rescue scanned his microchip and saw that Rachel was the owner, even though she believes that that information should have been anonymous. And they called Lisa Vanderpump, allegedly, according to Rachel, this rescue, and asked her for a donation. Rachel says, there was actually a reason I didn't want James to have him. James would encourage Graham to bite his hands hard because he liked the sensation, which trained Graham to be a biter. To my memory of this part of the conversation, there's like, no, wait a second. What is this about James? We're talking about questions relating to James and violence earlier. He encouraged Graham to bite him hard because he liked the sensation. What the fuck does that mean? That is behavior that makes me concerned and makes me feel uncomfortable. There's no follow-up of it. Rachel heard James heard that Graham was somehow back with James, and her mom called the rescue and they told her that Lisa Vanderpump had generously adopted him. And now, seemingly in real time, the cast is using this as a narrative to make Rachel look worse. Bethany sort of laughs and says, oh, Jesus, you got yourself into a whole shitstorm. Bethany asks her, what are your regrets? Rachel says, I would do everything differently. I want to acknowledge that I feel I was a disappointment to people who believed in me. Trust was broken in friendships. Betrayal happened. And I look back and I'm disappointed in myself as well. That's not the person I want to be. I wasn't happy. I was hurting. I don't ever want to be in a position like that again. I won't put myself in that position again. And the silver lining is I'm able to forgive myself and share info and resources and to help broaden a perspective, including that there's still hope. Bethany says that's powerful to have this awakening. And Rachel said she needed to get caught. She needed a wake-up call. Bethany asks if she would go back to reality TV, and Rachel says, hell no, because she refuses to disrespect herself with such emotional abuse. They wanted her back, and she didn't think she would get a redemption arc, a redemption arc and wouldn't be able to get to share the full story because of the limits within storytelling, I'm sure, you know, the 44-minute episode. She considered returning and wanted equal pay to Tom and Ariana and reimbursement for medical expenses, and the network said no. She said she wasn't paid in line with the value she brought and that money to her would have meant validation. I understand why she would fight hard for an increase in salary. uh, Variety confirmed that she was, in fact, paid $350,000 for season 10. So sounds like she probably was paid more than Bethany's interns, which, which which is what she said on a what Bethany said on a previous episode of this 1900 hour series. Asking for equal pay to Tom, who's an absolute piece of shit, and Ariana, after a decade of them being on this show, is ridiculous to me. 
I understand why she should and absolutely deserved a huge increase, including the fact that she would have an awareness of the toxic environment she was going into. Like, imagine sitting through that reunion. I know a couple months have gone by, but Lord help us, that would have been potentially a really, really difficult season to record. I don't think, even taking out Tom from this, I don't think that there is a world in which Rachel, based only on the scandal, which was international news, a huge, 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 huge financial moneymaker for Bravo, everybody related to it, seemingly many members of the cast. I don't know, even with all of that information being said, that Rachel should make the amount of money as like OGs, essentially, spiritually or otherwise, people who have been on this show for a decade, regardless of who she slept with and the consequences of that. And I don't think the network is responsible for the fact that Rachel hasn't found a way to monetize this, which is a little bit of a thread here. It's like the fact that other people are making money and I am not doesn't mean she won't at a certain point. I mean, there is a conversation about what she wants to do next with her life. She could figure out ways to share her voice and feel in control of it and feel in control of herself, of the way that she perceives herself, regardless of how other people view her. And there is going to be opportunity for her to make money that likely wouldn't have been available had the scandal not happened. Had the scandal not happened, she would still be on the show. But would the show still happen? I couldn't tell you. It was not doing well before this took place and like completely reinvigorated it. I mean, that is apparent. That's something that, you know, Alex Baskin himself has said um, and obviously is a huge part of this conversation between Bethany and Rachel. So she talks about her regrets. Bethany says that's powerful to have this awakening. Rachel said she needed to get caught and she needed a wake-up call. Bethany said they intentionally hide ratings so that the cast won't have information they could use to negotiate. It was something she struggled with and fought for when she was on Real Housewives of New York. Give me the ratings. And it was something the network was incredibly reticent to do because they knew that ratings was power and could be used to negotiate. Bethany asks about her interactions or contact with the cast now. Rachel says she has a no-contact policy with every single cast member. Bethany wants to know if she feels the cast went too far and is apologetic. And Rachel said, well, Lala reached out to her via Instagram DM as someone who could lend an ear, which Rachel believes is suspicious that she could be used for an agenda of dragging Rand for being a narcissist, which seems to be... Lala's full MO. It's the second time, I guess, that Rachel has specifically called out Lala. There was the drag earlier on of saying she, Kim Richard style, stole Brock's goddamn house by saying she used the proceeds from the success of Send It to Daryl to put a down payment on a house that she believes Brock was intending to purchase. And now she's saying that she would be used as a pawn in Lala's campaign against Rand. I think that's a valid point when it comes to the Rand of it all, of maybe 
I mean, quote unquote, partnering, LOL, um, but maybe being used as part of some sort of campaign to drag Rand. I would assume if it's a conversation about narcissism that Lala probably would be interested in Tom being, I guess, the point of contention from Rachel, but we'll never know um, because Rachel won't respond. Rachel says the only reason she reached out to Lisa Vanderpump was because she was concerned about Graham being with James when she found out. She said LVP called and Rachel told her about James not being a fit dog parent. And Lisa was focused on Rachel coming back to film for one interview at Villa Rosa to apologize for disappearing and did not ask once over the course of their conversation if Rachel was okay. And she says it almost worked because she wanted to discuss Graham. She felt like Graham was therefore used as bait to get her to potentially return to the show. She said Sandoval has emailed her twice. Lala and Lisa wanted her back. Bethany asked if the mixed messages are confusing, that the same place um, that she that expressed shock that she filmed the reunion would want her back on the show. And Rachel says it makes complete sense because they don't care about her well-being, but about her narrative. Bethany says, this is the new you, new chapter, dare I say, new beginning. And now that you've grown up, what do you want to do? Again, now that you've grown up, it's like, oh, fuck me. Some of this language, Jesus Christ. Rachel says she's impassioned about learning about herself and psychology and is in the beginning stages of starting a self-help podcast, an area that's untapped because nobody wants to talk about being the other woman. Bethany notes at this point that it's like, yeah, it's a lot of people are upset about the fact that Rachel and Rachel says this too are um was engaged in an affair. That's a lot of people who are triggered potentially by being cheated on. And it's like, well, there are also a lot of other people, you know, the other woman, the other man, the other person. So that's an audience. Bethany asks if um she wants to get married and have kids. And she's Rachel says she'd love to be in a healthy relationship, but she's focused on having a healthy relationship with herself first. Bethany notes that she flew to Arizona to see Rachel, and there's no precedent for that, for her traveling to record with someone, but she wanted Rachel to feel safe, and she says this in the same sentence, and was worried Rachel would have cold feet. How interesting. (laughs) That was the reason she flew. It's like one of those moments where I'm like, you didn't have to say that out loud. We probably had an awareness or we're thinking to ourselves, you did that to ensure she wouldn't cancel. God forbid she canceled because she didn't feel great about it. So you made sure to to be there. Um, And Bethany uh, says, Rachel seems strong. She didn't know if Rachel was going to be fragile or a mess, which I thought was interesting because Bethany made the choice to read 1,000 different reasons why the cast called her a piece of shit at the reunion. So to say you did didn't know if this person was going to be fragile or a mess, but you have that shit typed out. I mean, like, was there a folder called like, seems okay that you would open at that point? Or did it not matter? Because if it didn't, which it might not have, what was the fucking point? Um, She asks, where will Rachel be going to from Arizona? She says not traveling, but not to LA. 
going to different states to be determined, which was an interesting use of language I had questions about. Bethany invited her to the Hamptons. She's by the beach. Bethany thanked her for her trust and to essentially her team for staying quiet about all of this and for seemingly embracing the stillness. She asks if there was anything that wasn't covered that Rachel would like to discuss, and they joke that she'll save it for her podcast. And there we are, finny for now, except for whatever godforsaken bonus, yada yada, is used. So congrats to Bethany, who's had a number of shows trending this week, you know, because of the same episodes that she added to both as duplicates. And... This is the reality of it. It is ultimately a conversation of us versus them. And it's interesting to me that she continues to have an understanding that the us is, I believe, Bethany and Rachel and the them is everyone else. And I talk about this on the upcoming AG Classic, but it was interesting to me that when you think of the WGA strikes and SAG-AFTRA, the idea of us versus them, SAG-AFTRA, you know, AM, the AM. PTP, the um, producers are seen and the executives are seen as the people in positions of power who we, the common man, must fight, which I talked about earlier. And it's just interesting to con- to see the ending of this narrative continue with the belief that everyone else is the other, including the castmates that Rachel has filmed with for her however amount of time. It's an interesting strategy that I think when you're asking participants in reality TV to want to be a part of this fight, also assigning them as the bad actors isn't going to inspire them or potentially anyone else in any other cast to join this battle. Because what happens when it turns? What happens when there's someone else who has a story to tell and the ultimate purpose isn't to destroy the machine but people who are working in it who are also working talent thought the purpose was to protect these people. I don't think there was, by the lack of nuance, lack of information, lack of research, awareness, effort in that point, if we are to take Bethany at her word that her work is to protect people in reality TV, if I was Lala or Sheena or Ariana, accepting Tom Sandoval, who can truly go fuck himself, I would have questions about what that looks like, because if this is Bethany's version of protection, what the fuck does it mean? Do they feel protected, any more protected as a result? Or are they not deserving of the protection that Rachel is? Let alone awareness, let alone nuance, let alone everything else. Um, It's interesting. And it's like the thing that I can't stop thinking about is Bethany's shock and horror about the way that other cast members treated her at the reunion and the belittling of her potential mental health and the fact that someone said, you know, there's no way you can get what she's saying. It's like a hotline. If you were someone you know is being bullied, please call this phone number. You have something to be embarrassed about. You should be embarrassed. You have psychological and emotional problems, and we're all talking to you as if we're going to make some sense out of this. And it's crazy. 
This is not a normal person. What am I going to tell her? It's like talking to Humpty Dumpty. It's not going to happen. We're not going to get a resolution here. She just makes up whatever she wants to say. You're delusional. You need help. Is that a medical term, systematic bullying? I didn't know that it was like a real term diagnosed. Oh, wait, that wasn't Rachel who was being attacked. That was Kelly Ben Simone, whose mental health Bethany was dragging over the course of season three, saying she's incredibly paranoid, incredibly delusional, and believes her own myth. That was season three, Bethany. That wasn't... If the line has been pushed, I wonder who's been pushing it. Is it just the network? Are other people involved? Is there an awareness of how I have behaved? Why aren't we having that conversation? Why isn't Bethany saying, I get what you've experienced because I've been on both sides. I've been the housewife who's been attacked. I've been the one attacking. I've been a producer. I've been in a huge position of um, access and power after attaining and receiving my success, but she doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to acknowledge it. And that is going to be, I think, a continuing challenge for her. It's one that she's mocked by, um, you know, incredibly snarky responses to people on TikTok and Instagram while reposting these in very, very selective and at some points kind of unfortunate DMs of support, ones that do not acknowledge anyone else's pain as a result of Rachel's actions with Tom Sandoval, but really minimizing everything else to support Bethany's narrative which does not involve anyone else, seemingly aside from Rachel over the course of these three episodes, while noting that her campaign does not just involve Rachel, there are other people here. I wonder if Kelly Cloren Ben Simone would be a part of that conversation. I wonder what she would have to say. And we can look at those episodes as being like canon and iconic, and I want to rewatch them. I think I will as my little reward right after this. Because it's entertainment, and there may have also been a cost. It's a difficult and sometimes awkward and uncomfortable conversation to have. And Bethany's okay with certain forms of discomfort, but typically not ones that include her as being a part of the problem. That is going to make this challenging when there are so many examples through the course of Bethany's time on Housewives in which she has been a stellar, stellar housewife, someone who I still, God help me, continue to stand. That is my cross to bear. But fuck, we're not going to acknowledge or talk about any of that. We're not going to pretend that it happened. Okay, well, then I'm just going to continue to think about what Carol said. On that note, AG Classic coming out at some point, probably maybe tomorrow, maybe not. <laughs> so tired. Megan, stop. Thanks to all of you who have survived this journey with me. I don't know what, if anything, about this made sense, but I guess now I can organize a union. God bless. Because <laughs> I had some stuff to say. I can't stop thinking about Bethany continuing to like use her taglines of like mention it all, blah, 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 while saying what horrible things were sent Rachel's way that might have been that might have become iconic. Like the idea that we're criticizing Lala, monetizing, send it to Daryl merch and not acknowledging that Bethany continues (laughs) 
to use her slogans and celebrate herself without acknowledging any of the storyline that led to those moments being iconic is maybe one of my favorite hypocrisies. But that's just because, wow, Bethany, wow. Okay, I love to mention it all. Hashtag this is a crisis. Maybe I do know it all. And we'll see what happens next. Um, thanks for listening. Join the Andy Scrolls Patreon, number one way to support the pod. $2 a month gets you my love and sass and thanks and gratitude and sparkles and yada yada. $5 a month gets you two bonus episodes. $10 a month gets you four bonus episodes. And there's also a premium tier where you can record a Patreon episode or just chat with yours truly, Sarah G over here. Sign up and get all that goodness and more at patreon.com slash Girls. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dame Galley. Send me your satchels of gold about all things housewives and more, all things Bethany and Rachel. And listen, have you watched Orange County or Atlanta or New York? I'd love to hear about that too. But I will be recording a satchel spectacular exclusively for Patreon. Deep diving your thoughts and feels and reactions to all things Bethany, Rachel, network conversation and more. Um, So you can listen to that episode when it goes out on the AG Patreon and join the AG Patreon. It's a merry little troop. And thanks to all of you guys for being a part of this community. Listen, agree with what I said, disagree, love both perspectives. Let's just continue to kind of talk it out and we will figure our way through. And if she does put out another 18 part episode with Graham next, I don't know that I'm going to be the one <laughs> to deep dive it. But fuck, I do have a couple of follow-ups. On that note, thanks again for listening. And I will, we will, everyone will (laughs) talk to each other soon. Bye-bye. Bye.